Good mornings, I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today after last week's theft of donations, the local Toys for Tots campaign is counting on the generosity of the community to make Christmas happen for kids in need. We'll get details. Also this morning, it's another COVID Thanksgiving. You get the latest guidance and a common sense approach to keeping yourself and your family safe for those holiday gatherings. If COVID kept you from using the turkey you bought for Thanksgiving 2020, is it still safe to use this year? In today's Everyday Agriculture Report and the annual Coats for Christmas collection drive will be held next week for another year of sharing the warmth of the season. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Tuesday, November 23rd, 2021. The holiday season, I guess, is officially here. The president and first lady uh, accepted the official White House Christmas tree out, outside the White House yesterday. Uh, the uh, first lady, Jill Biden, uh, joined by a D.C. Army National Guard family. The large tree was placed on a horse-drawn carriage for the short trip up the White House driveway that runs along the North Lawn, the traditional uh, arrival of the White House Christmas tree was yesterday. So let the holiday season begin. Um, and the holidays are not cheap either. This is kind of interesting. See what you think about this. A woman in the UK recently took to the uh, website Mumsnet. This is in Great Britain. It's a website for moms. Mums. Your mum is on the... On the website is the Mumsnet. It's a site where moms commiserate. Uh, in any event, she explained that her in-laws are charging a fee to have Christmas dinner with them. <laughs> uh, she writes in part, my brother-in-law, my brother and sister-in-law are hosting Christmas dinner this year. And they are charging us per family for dinner they're charging a fee per family for dinner she said i've hosted before and we've never charged a fee uh but apparently because they've got a lot of people coming this year they have decided to charge and um well it it can get expensive i get it we have hosted thanksgiving and christmas and so on at our house for the entire family we have a large family my wife and i uh, when everybody gets together, uh, it is a large gathering. We've had 20, 30 people at the house uh, before, and that's a lot of people to feed, and it can get expensive. So I understand the idea behind it, but I don't know. Charging a, <laughs> you've got a cover charge to come to the uh, holiday dinner. Uh, she says she was especially annoyed by the fee because most of it would be going toward champagne, which she would not be drinking. She also added that she would be more than happy to make a dish to bring with her to contribute to dinner and defray the cost in some way. But she is adamantly opposed to paying cash for Christmas dinner. She said, we're not going to a restaurant. We're going to family's house for a family dinner. Uh, there, there shouldn't be a, a bill. Here's the question. Uh, do we have to tip? That's the... It's one thing if you want us to pay us uh, if you want us to pay for dinner, but do we have to tip as well? Are you expecting a dr- gratuity? <laughs> um, apparently, she said her husband is actually siding with her in-laws, 
saying, hey, they're doing all the hard work if that's what they want to want to do. Anyway, the uh, response online was split uh, in terms of uh, the opinion of others, whether that's a, uh, a good idea. No, I guess it does give you something other than politics to argue about when you're talking about holiday family gatherings. Um, arguing about politics, one of those things that can certainly derail your Thanksgiving, as many families are already aware. Uh, turning a celebration into a back and forth with uh, shouting and raised voices, flared tempers, and so on. A new poll from Knipiak University found that this is something Americans definitely do not want to do this year. Two-thirds of those surveyed, 66%, said they are hoping to avoid politics while visiting with family or friends for Thanksgiving. Just 21% say they are looking forward to it. (laughs) Who are those people? Uh, Who are those people that actually look forward to debating politics? Actually, I... I jest about that, but uh, years and years ago when my grandfather was still with us, uh, I actually did look forward to discussing politics with my grandfather because he was he was an awful lot of fun to go back and forth with. And uh, you knew that there was no hard feelings at the end of the day. Um, but uh, he's been gone for many years, and I can say it's it's there's nobody else that is uh, quite like arguing politics with my grandfather. So... I would have to put myself into the former category, the 66% uh, that are hoping to avoid a politics while visiting with family or friends this Thanksgiving. When asked how likely they think there will be a heated political d- debate at their gatherings, 50% said it was not likely at all. Half. Not likely at all. 24% said not so likely. 15% said somewhat likely. And 9% said very likely. So... For uh, those 9% of you, (laughs) that is very likely, uh, you have my sympathies, uh, is all I can say on that. One thing that you will not have to uh, argue about or debate over, whether to go shopping at Target on Thanksgiving Day, uh, the company says they will no longer be open on Thanksgiving ever, not just this year, Never again. CEO of Target, uh, Brian Cornell, sent a note to employees saying what started as a temporary measure driven by the pandemic is now our new standard. One that recognizes our ability to deliver on our guests holiday wishes both within and well beyond store hours. You won't have to wonder whether this is the last Thanksgiving you'll spend with family and friends for a while because Thanksgiving store hours are one thing we will not go back to when the pandemic finally subsides. So no more Thanksgiving shopping at Target. They're going to be closed on Thanksgiving from now on. Now, this has been a subject of debate for many years with a lot of people saying it's not fair that retail establishments like Target, Walmart, Kohl's and others open on Thanksgiving Day to get those early shop early 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 shoppers in thereby forcing their employees to work on the holiday and in some cases that is a valid argument i have always said 
that there are some people who don't celebrate Thanksgiving on Thanksgiving, uh, that perhaps they have their Thanksgiving celebration with family, say, on Saturday or, you know, a different day of the extended weekend. And for some, working Thanksgiving Day, not that big of a deal. In fact, there are some employees that I know who actually look forward to working on Thanksgiving because it means extra holiday pay. So there is that, and it's the trade-off. You're closed on Thanksgiving, but for those workers who actually look forward to working on Thanksgiving because of the extra holiday pay, um, they won't get that opportunity moving forward. But all in all, I think it's probably a good thing, and uh, Target is the first major retailer to make a permanent change and could push other retailers to follow in its path, according to the president of Retail Metrics, the uh, retail research firm. Uh, so far, uh, Macy's, Kohl's, Walmart have all said that they will not be open this Thanksgiving, but none of them have committed to future plans. So we'll see moving forward. One of the things that I thought was interesting in this is that they said uh, over the years when they examine the data, they find that being open on Thanksgiving did not actually lead to more Black Friday weekend sales. It just spread them out over a longer period of time. So if you're open on Thanksgiving, you get the same amount of sales over the Black Friday weekend as you would if you were closed. You just have a longer period of time to collect those sales. So the stores aren't quite as crowded on Friday. Which would actually make the argument to remain open on Thanksgiving instead of the opposite. But on the other hand, if you're going to sell the same amount of stuff on Thursday and Friday as you would on Friday alone, you may as well close on Thanksgiving because, again, you wouldn't have to pay holiday pay to your employees. So actually, the bottom line would improve, I suppose. But anyway, kind of interesting. That's the target is the first to announce they will no longer be open on Thanksgiving. Big news. And here's something to consider as we head into the Thanksgiving holiday. Lending social support to another person could also benefit you. Researchers from the Ohio State University found that when it comes to health, being willing to give social support to your loved ones may be just as important as receiving assistance. The lead author of the study, Tao Zhang, says uh, positive relationships may be associated with lower inflammation only for those who believe they can give more support in those relationships. Researcher Baldwin Way adds, it may be that when people believe they can give more support to friends and family, these relationships are especially rewarding and stress-relieving, which reduces inflammation. Preliminary evidence suggests that the link between health and the willingness to help others may be especially important for women. So the long and short of it, the bottom line, is that when you lend support to another person, uh, the health benefits, you get health benefits out of it yourself. So now you should not need uh, an extra incentive to help others. We should be doing this out of the kindness of our heart anyway. But it is good to know that when you lend a helping hand to others, you get a pretty nice benefit yourself. 
So something there to uh, chew on. Those are the uh, first things you need to know. The most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Tuesday morning started. WFIN News, I'm John Marshall. The WTOL 11 first alert weather, sunny and chilly today with a high of 38. The Hancock County Sheriff's Office has announced an arrest in the murder of Sherry Zisler. Deputies arrested Brian L. Zisler, age 65, on Monday afternoon. He is being held at the Hancock County Justice Center. The body of 59-year-old Sherry Zisler was found at a Township Road 205 residence east of Findlay on November 15th. According to an earlier release, she died as a result of multiple gunshot wounds. The sheriff's investigation has been assisted by the Findlay Police Department, the Lucas County Coroner, and the Ohio Bureau of Criminal Investigation. The sheriff's office has released no additional information on the arrest. COVID booster shots became available for all adults over the weekend. Lydia Esparo with ONN affiliate WKYC-TV in Cleveland has more with a Cleveland Clinic doctor. If you had the COVID shot more than six months ago, we've seen immunity wane at six months. Dr. Joseph Cabaza with the Cleveland Clinic. I think everyone who's eligible for a booster should consider getting one, especially with the holidays coming up. And that booster, whether you're 18 or 65, is available to anyone who wants it. Just make sure you bring in your CDC card saying you were already vaccinated. And if you're wanting to party during the holidays, now's the time to boost up. Lydia Spara, 3 News. Two Ohio missionaries who were kidnapped in Haiti have been released. They were among 17 members of Christian Aid Ministries who were abducted by gang members last month. The identities of the newly freed missionaries haven't been released, but they are said to be in good spirits. It's unclear if they were among five children who were kidnapped. A record number of Ohioans are expected to travel for Thanksgiving this year. AAA and ODOT are predicting a massive increase in the number of drivers hitting the roads for the holiday this year, the biggest they've seen since 2005. With the estimated 2.2 million people expected to be on Ohio roadways, the State Highway Patrol says that they will begin increased patrols on Wednesday. More news is available online anytime at WFIN.com. In for Matt Demchek, I'm John Marshall, WFIN News. Well, by now you have heard that the local Toys for Tots campaign was robbed earlier this month. Someone made off with about $20,000 worth of donations. In true form, though, the Marines never give up. And Larry DeVelvis is the coordinator of the Toys for Tots campaign in Hancock and Southern Wood County. And Larry, I'm sure your initial reaction when you discovered what happened was much the same as mine and everyone else's when we heard the story. Anger, disappointment. What can you tell us about the community's reaction following the news? Well, right now, everything and everyone is stepping up really well. Um, Donations are coming in and we're collecting toys already. And uh, we're going to get this thing set up and it'll be ready to go when they need toys in a couple of weeks. Uh, Like we said, we would expect nothing less from the Marines. No time to stew about it. You have to kind of pick yourselves up and and start start in again. And where are you now with respect to where you need to be, where you would normally be at this point? Well, we're not in too bad a shape. Um, like I said, we we picked up toys already from some of the places, and we have people donating um, uh, money, quite a bit of money. So it, it's coming real well. 
and we're going to shop tonight here at Myers and buy some toys. And then next week we'll start um, we'll start passing out toys, um, starting with some of the. Uh, charities that we use around town yeah uh, i was gonna say because it's really important to make note that your deadline is not december 24th christmas eve while most of us are just starting our shopping you are well into your campaign because of all of the time that is needed to sort and organize and uh, deliver all the donations and And, all of that right that's right um we get our toys out and and then uh, um, we we distribute them to the people that need them, and and uh, and we have to be done uh, when they need those. Yeah. Yes. So uh, if folks want to uh, make a donation, can they still do that? What is the best way uh, to donate to the Toys for Tots uh, campaign? Well, right now around Finley, we have over a hundred places where we have made uh, we put jars out, uh, money jars. And we have over a um, hundred toy boxes uh, around the city that they can donate toys. And um, it's it's um, if you look around, you'll see us all over. And and that's the great thing about Finley. They're all they're right behind us. They they're they're, they're with us. Absolutely. Uh, the reaction was uh, I, I'm sure one of the community coming together, and that is certainly good to see. It's disappointing uh, the uh, situation that kind of put us into this uh, predicament with the Toys for Tots campaign. But knowing that the good people uh, in in this area uh, are are responding and uh, actually coming through uh, has got to you know sort of renew your faith. Uh, as it were absolutely and and we're um you know we're happy to see people coming out and uh and so the donations are coming in and like i said we'll be we'll be doing our shopping as we need to and uh, and we'll we'll get these needy children taken care of. Well, that was one of the things that uh, really impressed me. Uh, you know, from the moment that we uh, heard the unfortunate story last week, uh, your first uh, statement was, "We will still make sure that uh, everyone." Uh, in need gets a toy and you know i would imagine that was uh, very much a, a faith statement in you know we're not sure how we'll get it done but we'll get it done <laughs> well like you said we're old marines and we're not going <laughs> to stop until it's done that's for sure uh, again the uh, toys for tots campaign uh still now as we said there is a deadline you want to get everything you know uh, taken care of by a certain day do you what is the deadline for donations i mean how soon do you need you need those in this week or the end of next week or what's kind of the timeline here we're gonna we're gonna have toy boxes and and uh, jars out until december 15th okay and then um and then uh, we'll we'll do what we have to as far as uh, if we have to store some toys at the end of the campaign, then we can do that. Um, and that'll be the, the cushion that we have to start off uh, next year with. Yeah. Uh, and if, uh, if someone wants to, to help out, again, we mentioned donations, obviously look for the uh, uh, donation bins and, and so on. And there's also a way that you can donate online. We have that linked up at our webpage. Uh, is this something where you also need volunteers to uh, help buy the toys that need bought and distribute those and, and all of that? Is that something that you... Uh, are looking for as well 
Uh, not too much. Okay. We have a we have a nice really not too much. Okay, so you have uh again the uh the infrastructure I guess for lack of a better term uh to actually get done the distribution part. Yes. Yes, we do. And certainly a, a big salute to all of those who are involved uh, in that way as well. Uh, Larry DeFelvis with us again, uh, coordinator of the Toys for Tots uh, campaign, Hancock and Southern Wood County. Uh, just kind of give us an, an update on on where things stand after the unfortunate situation they found themselves in about a week or so ago, uh, looking like the uh, campaign is in pretty good shape. And Larry, thanks very much for taking the time. And certainly happy holidays. Merry Christmas to you and yours. Thank you. Thank you. And you have a nice Thanksgiving and, and uh, Merry Christmas to you. Thank you. Well, you know, certainly this is not what any of us had hoped to be talking about again this year, but we're coming up on another COVID Thanksgiving. Dr. Bill Coase, Blanchard Valley Health System, joins us this morning. And Dr. Coase, I think we uh, all hoped that we would be past this by now but the numbers are what they are and uh, we do have to take this seriously once again this year yes correct chris i mean we certainly had hoped if you'd have been talking about this a year ago even talking about this six weeks ago we thought we would get a plateau let's say at our hospital here in finley of in the 20s and it would be going down but what we're seeing is it's going up. Now, I I don't want to say exponentially, but we're up to 38 today from where we were. Uh, We're seeing more cases in Hancock County. We're seeing more in the emergency room, more being treated. So, yes, it's not over. And then in addition to that, we're seeing more positivities of the test we do. So we're up to 24, 22, 24% of all the tests we do, which had been down in the low teens going up to about 18 so the the disease is still here no question about it so obviously the the safest option with the holiday coming would be like last year to celebrate thanksgiving with only members of your household and not invite anyone in but then aside from that there are varying levels of precaution i mean some families have said you can only attend Thanksgiving if you're vaccinated or you could require masks regardless of vaccination status or you can say you only have to wear a mask if you haven't had your booster or if you haven't been vaccinated and you can go kind of right down the list to find a level of risk that one would be comfortable with. What would you say is the most prudent, most common sense approach to this? Well, I think you need to put it into the context of that a lot of people have made plans. For instance, my daughter's flying home from Portland, Oregon, and so she needs to wear a mask and being in airports and what you're doing. So that that's part of it. I think everybody wants a little bit of normalcy. I would say this, that it certainly you'd like to have everybody vaccinated and have been vaccinated, wearing masks when you can and washing your hands. One of the things that really is pretty important is being able to ventilate. I was talking to someone that her family is going to meet in a, in a bigger barn kind of thing, high ceilings where there's ventilation. And as Dr. Fauci has said, opening up the room so that there's a circulation of clean air is probably something that's, that's pragmatic and makes a lot of sense. The obvious 
answer would be, well, don't go anywhere. But I, I don't think that's going to happen this year. Trying to follow those things make make a lot of sense as far as what we can see still scientifically. Yeah, and, and that's kind of what we're getting at because, uh, again – given that we're all a little covid weary and i know you are uh, just as much as as anyone else uh we want to make sure that we uh, stay protected but have a common sense uh, approach on this and of course part of this uh, concern is that we are also coming into cold and flu season as well and again just like last year that complicates things additionally correct i we are concerned that there may be a a bad flu season this year, uh, encouraging everyone to have and to get their uh, their flu vaccines. Um, I think one of the other things that I might just mention is that that asking people that if they've had any symptoms that could be respiratory, that it would be best to stay away, especially if they've had a fever, even if they think it's a cold. What we're seeing with a lot of younger people, they don't get as sick in general. I mean, we're seeing more hospitalized and with problems, but if you have any kind of respiratory symptoms, the better part of valor would not be to be with people. It may be influenza, maybe a cold, but it also very well could be COVID. You know, I mentioned this again, and I think we, we talked a little bit about this the, the last time we had you on the program, and just to sort of reemphasize this, because I can hear a lot of folks saying, you know, if I have been vaccinated and if uh, those in my family have been vaccinated, why are we so concerned about this? It has been proven effective uh, against serious cases. Even if I do uh, get a case of, of COVID, uh, the uh, chance of it being a, a a breakthrough case that is very serious is highly unlikely. So why do I need to worry about this at all? Well, I think there's a couple things that 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 is true for the ninety percent. It's effective, and now this was and and I'm going to mention that in a minute. But ninety ninety five percent, it was very effective. But there's still that five to ten out of a hundred that it, it that it didn't give much protection, if any, yeah. from what we've got scientifically. The other thing that uh, that we are getting concerned about, are we talking about the same disease? This Delta virus is variant is a different form of COVID. The vaccine is effective, but not nearly as effective as what the 90%, maybe in the range of 65 or 70, which leaves a third of the population that it isn't going to help much probably is going to help some. But as I said, we're dealing with a different disease than what we saw before. And I think that's, again, a reason for all of the precautions and what we looked at. No one ever said that it was that even the vaccine, if everybody would have taken it right when it came out and the availability that this was going to prevent that there would never be another COVID case. Mm -hmm. That's just not the way the disease works. And now, obviously, it's all over the world, and we're dealing with different kinds of variants, and it's just going to remain to see what really happens. Well, and and does that speak to the point that has been made by some, that this is uh, likely to be, uh, on some level or another, uh, an annual uh, reminder that this is something that we uh, have to deal with every year moving forward? If I had to predict, I would say that there's going to need a booster shot. And I don't want to say at least yearly. I'm hoping it's going to be a year. But I would not be surprised at all that that's not what comes out of this, that that's what we'll be seeing, especially the pandemic being across 
the world. I mean, there's still a lot of people that haven't been vaccinated. Yeah. And with our transportation, the global economy and all mm -hmm. that, that people are going to be coming in. And then the worry, one of the worrisome things is we're still not sure about the reservoirs and animals. It appears that there may be other animals besides bats and some other things that may be carriers or reservoirs. So we're going to have to we're going to have to figure that one out, too. On a separate but related note, as we mentioned, a part of the concern is we're also coming into cold and flu season as well. We heard this week that schools in Bowling Green have reinstated the mask mandate for students now because the numbers continue to go up. And again, we're coming into cold and flu season. It doesn't appear that that is likely to happen here in Hancock County where masks have been optional but recommended. What would your advice be to parents at this point with respect to masking their kids in school as we head into the winter season? Well, I would certainly say that the masks are effective. Nothing is 100%. They're one of the tools. And that if the child doesn't have any problem with that, um, even uh, breathing or with whatever, I certainly would recommend wearing a mask when, when feasible, when you can, and wearing those to schools. In addition to the washing the hands and trying to social distance and do things like that, I I think that we definitely proved that last year that it did make a difference in controls and in studies and comparing different things. Uh, so, yes, I would be wearing a mask, and that's what I've told my granddaughters. Again, Dr. Bill Coe's Blanchard Valley Health System with us this morning as we come up on another COVID Thanksgiving and try to uh, manage the impact of that. Dr. Coe's, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Thank you, Chris, and you have a nice and safe Thanksgiving. So are you planning a big Thanksgiving gathering this year? Last year, of course, uh, a lot of our gatherings had to be put on hold for the holiday. And maybe you went out last year hoping that you would be able to have a big Thanksgiving feast, got this big turkey, and then had to cancel your plans. You're left with a Thanksgiving bird in your freezer and maybe wondering, is that still safe to use this year? The answer and some safe thawing tips from USDA contributor Gary Crawford this morning in today's Everyday Agriculture Report. Meredith Carruthers, a food safety expert with the Agriculture Department's Meat and Poultry Hotline, says they do get quite a few calls this time of year from people who have unearthed ancient turkeys in their freezers. They want to know, is this thing still safe to eat? And Meredith, what's the answer? It's definitely safe to have a turkey in the freezer because foodborne illness bacteria don't grow in the freezer. So no matter how long something is frozen, it will remain safe. The only thing that changes is the quality might diminish the longer that it's frozen for. But your year-old, two-year-old turkey that might be in the freezer that you stuck in there and forgot about is definitely still going to be safe as long as it has been frozen that entire time. Sometimes the quality is what's going to diminish the longer that something is frozen. As to the thawing procedure... Thawing in the refrigerator is going to be the safest method of thawing just because it ensures that the product that you're thawing is staying at a safe temperature throughout the entire thawing process. We really don't recommend to thaw at room temperature just because that could allow bacteria to grow that could then make you sick if consumed. But it's also the longest... 
It'll take about 24 hours for every five pounds of turkey. So you want to do the math, ensure you're giving yourself enough days to try and get that turkey fully thawed. Days? Days? Yeah, that right. My 12-pound turkey won't be thawed for uh, three days. Cold water is another safe way of thawing a turkey. We recommend submerging it in cold water, but then replacing that water about every 30 minutes to ensure it is, in fact, staying cold enough. And that should help thaw it a little bit quicker. It would take about 30 minutes a pound, so that's six hours for my 12-pounder. Just for the thawing, let alone the cooking, I've got to do better than that. Is there any hope for me? What can I do? You can actually cook the turkey from the frozen state. It's just going to take a little bit longer for that turkey to fully come to a safe internal temperature and be cooked and ready to eat. It'll take about one and a half times longer to get that internal temperature up to the 165 degrees needed to kill any bacteria in there. So instead of an approximate cooking time for my totally thawed 12-pounder of about 20 minutes a pound or four hours, the frozen bird would take about roughly six hours. Need more help with that dinner and Anyway, try calling the Meat and Poultry Hotline, 1-888-MP-HOTLINE. Or for chat, go online to ask.usda.gov. This is Gary Crawford reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture. One caveat to note uh, with respect to going ahead and cooking it while it's still uh, in the frozen state or when it's not completely thawed. If you are deep frying your turkey, that is a very bad idea. So don't do that if you're deep frying. But if you're conventionally roasting your turkey, uh, you can uh, do that even if it is not fully thawed yet. just takes a little extra time uh, to get done. You get more uh, great turkey cooking advice at our webpage from the uh, UF, USDA's uh, Meat and Poultry, poultry Hotline. Uh, the web version, web-based version is linked up at our webpage. Go to goodmornings.net. Uh, when it comes to leftovers, the USDA says... That if you have leftover turkey and other goodies from your Thanksgiving meal on Thursday, you should stash those in shallow containers. The turkey should stash in shallow containers within two hours of cooking, and it is okay if the food is still warm when you pack it up. You can keep cooked turkey in a fridge for three to four days. Leftover stuffing should be eaten or frozen within three to four days, and then when frozen, it can last between two and three months. Uncooked stuffing can also be frozen, but will need to be cooked immediately when it's removed from the freezer. And when it comes to potatoes, yams, green beans, they can each last three to four days in the fridge. Homemade cranberry sauce can be refrigerated for seven to ten days. Canned cranberry sauce can be refrigerated for one to two weeks after opening. You can store leftover gravy in your fridge for three to four days in the freezer for four to six months. While homemade pies containing egg, cream, or chiffon can be stored in a fridge for three to four days. Fruit-based pies can be stored at room temperature for a day or two or in the fridge for up to a week. So those are how you handle the leftovers from Thanksgiving dinner. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. Today's update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. Here's another uh, story of an unusual vehicle theft. I have these from time to time. A suspect in Beaverton, Oregon, is accused of stealing a backhoe and driving it on three freeways in the middle of the night for more than 30 miles before getting caught by police. The Clackamas County Sheriff's Office says 39-year-old Mitchell Johnson allegedly stole the backhoe. And... (laughs) When... (laughs) 
I just can't imagine the mindset where you happen upon a backhoe and think, hey, that'd be fun. I'm going to take that. Um, <laughs> is it just something you do on a whim or do you go out with the intention of stealing a backhoe? I don't know. Anyway, he drove it along Highway 217, State Highway 217, Interstate 5 and Interstate 205 uh, from Beaverton to uh, Clackamas on Sunday before being got 30 miles before being spotted by an Oregon State Police trooper. <laughs> he was driving 10 to 20 miles an hour on the wrong side of the road when he was pulled over and arrested. He was uh, driving with a revoked license, it says. It does not say if there was any intoxicating substance involved, but I got to think there's a good chance. Good chance in that. <clears throat> Elsewhere in the broken news, have you ever heard of javelinas? I think that's how you pronounce it. They're like wild boars. They look like wild wild boars. I think they must be a cousin of a wild boar. They're a medium-sized pig-like hooved mammals. A family in Scottsdale, Arizona, recently found themselves surrounded by javelinas. <laughs> they were surrounded in Scottsdale, Arizona, uh, Kimberly and Jeff Wheeldryer say they were showing a friend their under-construction, newly-built home near the Troon Golf Course when one of them spotted a squadron of javelinas moving in. <laughs> They're approaching. <laughs> the redcoats are coming. The javelinas are coming. Um, uh, Jeff noticed that there were two babies in the squad. I don't know what young javelinas are called. Um, anyway, there were two babies in the uh, squad, and he was worried that the animals could become protective and aggressive. So at first, they retreated into the house and tried to scare the animals off with loud noises. But when that didn't work, <laughs> uh, Mr. Wheeldryer decided to move his Tesla with the ability of autopilot he has a model 3 performance uh, model and you can actually drive the vehicle and i didn't know you could do this with uh, with this model of tesla you could put it on autopilot and uh, and summon the vehicle via the app and so that's what he did he was driving the car around to scare the animals off with that it worked as he moved the vehicle the javelinas got scared and ran off oh. Tesla to the rescue in that case. That's that is wild. I didn't know you could do that. It's like a it could be a Night Rider episode, I think. You remember the old TV show. <clears throat> I don't think Tesla will be putting that in their vehicle ads anytime soon, but it's good to know it worked. If you thought the legalization of marijuana would put an end to criminal marijuana growing and distributing think again police have seized 500 million dollars worth of illegal weed in a bust outside of medford oregon half a billion dollars worth of illegal marijuana the oregon state police served a warrant at five industrial sized warehouses last week over the course of two days police estimated they removed 500,000 pounds of illegal marijuana from the premises, individuals arrested were discovered to be migrant workers living on site. Uh, seizure comes at a time when the sale of legalized marijuana is flourishing, 
CNN reports nationwide sales at $20 billion in 2020 set to top $26 billion this year. But if you thought that legalized marijuana would put uh, an end to the illegal growing of marijuana, think again. Wow. $500 million. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, New York's so-called obit bandit being sentenced. Latonya Stewart was sentenced to at least 11 years in prison for robbing six different families while they were at funerals. Now, that is a special kind of demented right there. When you can rob somebody while they're at the funeral of a loved one. A prosecutor read statements from various victims who said as they were mourning family members, Ms. Stewart broke into their homes and stole many sentimental sentimental items. Uh, officers said uh, she would read local obituaries online and then use a sledgehammer to break into the homes of the people who were away for the funerals. Uh, she is currently facing additional charges in Connecticut where she's charged with doing the same thing. And lock her up and throw away the key. That is a special kind of evil right there. That is just horrible. <laughs> and what about this? A little word of advice to you. Next time you are leaving a bad review, make sure you do it after you leave the establishment. One grandmother learned this the hard way when she wound up getting kicked out of her hotel room after leaving the establishment a three-star review instead of a five-star review. I mean, three-star review is not horrible, but the hotel, I guess, did not find it satisfactory. Susan Ledger, Ledger? Age 63 and her granddaughter were staying at the Baymont Inn and Suites in Helen, Georgia for the first night of their three night stay when she received a call close to 9 p.m. from the hotel manager telling them he had called the cops and they needed to leave. She said the man was screaming at me. He was saying, get out now. I called the police. Uh, It was horrifying, she said. Turns out the manager was not happy with the responses that she had left when Hotels.com emailed her about her stay. She gave the hotel a three-star review and noted that it was a little run down. The pool was not open. The toilet didn't flush particularly well. But a three-star review, not horrible, especially for a Baymont. It's kind of a three-star hotel, so you get a three-star review. (laughs) But when the authorities arrived... They confirmed that it was well within the law for the manager to kick Ms. Ledger out. And uh, they helped her and her granddaughter find another place to stay. She says she did get a refund for her stay, although it took two months of back and forth before that happened. (laughs) Moral of the story, if you're going to leave a bad review, do so after your visit is over or else you get kicked out. That is crazy. There you go. That is uh, today's broken news. That is especially good uh, advice to uh, adhere to uh, if you are traveling for Thanksgiving. (laughs) So you're welcome. I'll give you a little advice there ahead of your Thanksgiving travels. Uh, That is uh, today's broken news report. This update on the odd and unusual side of the news brought to you as a public service, more or less, of Hancock County Veterans Services. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Get set for another season of Finley Trojan Basketball on WFIN.
This is Tim Montgomery. Join me and Coach Cliff Height as we follow Jim Rookie's Trojans throughout the season. From the opening tip to the final buzzer, you'll get every drive, every dunk, and every free throw. Trojan basketball returns this Friday as Finley takes on Defiance. The Finley Trojans on 1330 WFIN, WFIN.com, and 95.5 FM. Your daily download this morning, the numbers behind the news, the statistics that shape our lives, and it appears Americans are not finding as much meaning in their relationships with others anymore. At least according to a new report from the Pew Research Center, they surveyed over 2,500 American adults and found just 9% cite their spouse or romantic partner as a source of meaning in life. Just 9%. Back in 2017, when they asked the same question, that number was 20%. Interestingly, the steepest decline among those who said that they found uh, their spouse or romantic partner as a source of meaning in life, the steepest decline in the uh, number of people who said that was married women. In 2017, 31% found life's meaning in their spouse. This year was just 13% that said the same. That is quite a dramatic drop-off. And you think of all of the implications there. Now, it should be pointed out that 49% of all of the respondents, nearly half, said that their family and children were the source of life's meaning. And when you say children and family, that very well could include one's spouse, and you consider family, but not specifically. And they ask specifically about uh, the spouse. Uh, it was uh, the numbers were much lower. And even in the number of people who said family and children were the source of life's meeting, uh, even that number fell by seven percentage points since 2017. 20%, on the other hand, said they found friends as a source of life's meaning. They're friends. 20%. And that number fell by just 1% from the same poll in 2017. So we are finding meaning in our friendships less these days than we did then, but not as much less. So again, I'm not sure exactly what all of this means, but the researchers suggest that relationships overall still do hold importance to americans but a little less so they have taken a hit since the pandemic particularly romantic relationships well it is an annual tradition for as long as i can remember i know this has been going on for uh, uh, many many years and once again the annual Coats for Christmas collection drive is coming up. Uh, the collection drive is next week, and uh, then talk about the uh, distribution here a couple of weeks out. It's another year of sharing the warmth of the season. Uh, Rich Kramer and uh, Missy LaRocco with us uh, this morning. Talk about uh, the uh, Coats for Christmas uh, campaign. And like we said, for as long as anyone can remember, this has been uh, going on. How did this uh, get started? What's the uh, story behind this for those who don't know? Yeah, well, thanks for having us on this morning. Um, you know, I, I was just a twinkle in my dad's eye. Well, yeah. I was alive, but I was really young when it happened. Uh, and he, you still are, I'm sure, but that's another yeah, story. Yeah, you know, receding hairline. And, 
So uh, yeah, it's uh, we're we're a family laundry, city laundry, mm-hmm. and my dad succession planning. He he purchased the business from his parents uh, in the in the '80s, and in 1987, he wanted to really kind of reach out to the community and get involved and and pay back. Really, I mean, Finley yeah. is a is a wonderful community. I, I keep saying whenever we go see Rotary or other organizations, how blessed we are to mm-hmm. live in such a great town of Finley. Yeah. Um, so he wanted to give back, and uh, the first year, um, there was just an onslaught of support, and yeah. he collected for three weeks and got close to 20,000 wow. uh, coats wow. donated. Wow. And so since then, we've kind of consolidated that collection <laughs> phase. We know everyone's <laughs> eager to support, which we appreciate, and over the years, it's just kind of sustained, and, and yeah. the community has accepted it. I, I, I know you you really get the, the a... a physical sense of the generosity of the community and the care of the community when you look at that big stack of coats that you have after the uh, collection drive because i've seen that it is a big stack of coats that you have uh, that you go through and you clean and you get ready uh to be uh, distributed to those who need and, and we all have uh one or two or ten coats stuffed in our closet <laughs> yeah, someplace we that sure we do. no longer need so yeah. well and it's not just the pile of coats so it's every single aspect that you see so we have a committee of volunteers in the community that work on this for uh we work on it for five to six months we so we get ready to do the coats for christmas back in may or june um but uh the community when you say comes together it's those boxes that the coats are in those are donated by whirlpool Mm -hmm. uh big dishwasher boxes um the bags that people shop in and put their coats in donated by kohl's um the uh, truck that brings the coats over, Gardner Trucking. So, I mean, we just really come together as a community and really um, everyone's kind of pitching in to that, do this. That is a good point because it would not be possible if it were just uh, City Laundry, City Apparel. You, it wouldn't be something that you could do on your own. You really need so many people to make this happen. Yeah, we tried to do it on our own for a number of years. And <laughs> it was it was great, but then we realized this is way bigger yeah. than just us. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's a, it's like you said – it's amazing when the whole community can kind of come together and everyone feels like they contribute. Mm-hmm. Know, even the citizens of Finley, they can actually directly impact someone's life by providing them a coat. Such a simple thing to do. Yeah. Uh, so the donations this year, uh, next week is the week for the donations, right? Correct. That's, Collection a- will run November 29th through December 3rd. Mm-hmm. And then you've got to get all those used coats down to um, the West Main Cross location. It uh, used to be city dry cleaning. Uh, Paul Kramer retired last year. So that business is now um, his daughter, Andrea Kramer, Ani, as a lot of people know. She will be bringing in city apparel. And then Rich's business out on West drive is the one that cleans them all still so it's definitely becoming still a kramer tradition he's just um Mm -hmm. his uh, son and daughter have really stepped up yeah uh so you get those used coats to the downtown location by december 3rd Mm -hmm. and then the whole week after that they clean the coats volunteers can step up we're still accepting volunteers um, to help clean those coats for that week. Um, if you want to volunteer um, i'll just say you can reach out by um calling 419-889-4579, but we'll get you set up with a volunteer for that week to help clean the coats. And then we have our two distribution days. Yeah. Uh, Saturday, December 11th from 9 to 3 p.m. and Sunday, December 12th from 1 to 3 p.m. But this is the kicker. There is a new location this year. Yes. Yes. Uh, You are at the YMCA, uh, the east location. Correct. Manor Hill Drive. Yep. 
1400 Manor Hill Road Drive. Uh, we'll be kind of stationed in the big tennis court area, so uh, bear with us if you're a tennis lover. We'll be taking those <laughs> courts for a couple of that's days. Their, that's their right. contribution yes. to this. Yes. 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 The tennis courts Thank for an They're sacrificing yeah, yes. for a weekend. Yes. That's, that's right. Everybody yes. has a role to play yeah. uh, in this. And uh, it's it's not just coats as well. You also have you know, yes. mittens. The, and, the YMCA has a youth group. Um, they have gone over various different names over the years, but um, Engage, and uh, now I think it's Leaders, I can't exactly, Eclipse Leaders at the YMCA, Mm -hmm. uh, high school youth, and they help collect new hats, mittens, and blankets, Um, and sometimes there's some scars in there, but we want those to be new if possible. Um, This year we are taking some used blankets. If they're in nice condition, we don't want those comforters. Those are way too hard for Rich's crew to clean, (laughs) Uh, but if you've got some big fluffy uh, used blankets, we can clean those as well this year. And and that we should mention, uh, when we're talking about uh, donations, collecting the donations, they do need to be in uh, good repair. You can't really go through and, and repair uh, things that are broken or torn, you know, zippers or anything like that. So that becomes a little more complicated. Yeah, that would definitely throw a little wrench into things. You yeah. know, the amount of coats we collect, somewhere between 2,000 and 3,500 yeah. from year to year. that's a lot. Yeah. So we're washing a lot of coats. Um, we, we would ask that they're in good shape, but we can make sure they're sanitized mm-hmm. and clean for those folks picking them up. Yeah, and and you will also accept new uh, coat donations. I mean, yes. if somebody wants to mm-hmm. go out and buy a coat, so much the better, and uh, you have a, actually a little more leeway in the time to do that. Correct, and yeah. we're usually in need of very small coats for small children and then very large coats, um, 2Xs, 3Xs, even 4Xs. Yeah. So if, if you're going to buy one, we would really appreciate if you could buy a small one or a used one. And we're actually doing kind of a cool thing, which is why we need more youth coats this year. On Friday, we will be um, having uh, Cops for Kids or Kids and Cops, which mm-hmm. is used to be Shop with a Cop. Yeah. Um, they are going to come Friday early, and those kids are going to be able to get a coat so that when they shop with their cop, um, they have a little more money to spend on other clothes oh, that and is awesome. items. And so, they get yeah. first dibs, too. Yeah, so that's something dibs, of an extra little, uh, little extra special there. Uh, I was going to ask, uh, the... Uh, Donations. I mean, obviously, uh, all donations are welcome, but in particular, uh, there's a special need for the smaller coats and then the the larger uh, sizes Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again... Look for the uh, boxes. They'll be out just about everywhere uh, over the course of the next week, right? Yeah, Finley City Schools, um, City Apparel, the mall, and then there's a number of other local businesses that you'll see them. Mm -hmm. Um, All the county schools have a box. So, Yep. mm -hmm. yep. And uh, then the uh, distribution is the 10th and 11th, is that uh, right? Nope, the 11th and 12th, 11th and 12th. Saturday, I was December off by 11th, and okay. Sunday, December 12th. Okay, yep. 11th and 12th on the distribution. Do, do folks need to make an appointment or register or anything nope, like that? Nope, they just need there's... to come on out to the East Branch YMCA, and uh, there's no need requirement. You just, if you need one, you come. There's yeah. no income guidelines, nothing like that. Um, if you need to pick one up for a grandchild or you know, a foster child, anything like that, please yeah. come out. And I, I know know that uh, historically all of the coats uh, the vast majority have been uh, distributed locally but on those occasions where you 
find yourselves with extras, they don't go to waste either. No, they don't. We've actually collaborated with Chopin Hall in town and sometimes City Mission. This year, they're going to kind of share the wealth. Uh, so some will go to City Mission and some will go to Chopin Hall. But we actually give them to Ron Rooker, who does that at Chopin Hall. And he distributes them for a couple weeks afterwards out at the Family Center. Yeah. And um, so they usually are almost always gone within a couple weeks of the yeah. event. So yes. there's a need. So there's a need out there. There is definitely the need. And you know that when you make a donation that it is actually going to help keep someone warm this winter. And that's the bottom line because they uh, will all get distributed one way or the other. We've got some more information for the uh, Coats for uh, Christmas website website uh, at our webpage. You check that out again. Emphasize the uh, distribution is next week. It's just a one week thing. So uh, definitely want to make sure that you uh, uh, take the time to, to get those donations in uh, as quickly as possible. And uh, Mr. The Rocco, Rich Kramer, thanks very much for uh, dropping by. We appreciate it. Thanks for having thanks us. Thanks for having us. And that will finish up our podcast for today. Thanks to all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each day on the show at our webpage. That, of course, is Good Morning. Coming up tomorrow as we head into the big Thanksgiving holiday, we'll take you back to the place where it all started. Thanksgiving really means something even more for the town of Plymouth, Massachusetts. Plus, Finley Mayor Christina Mern will talk about ringing in the holiday season with the lighting of the community Christmas tree over the weekend. Until tomorrow morning, that is Good Mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.